we have inherited a big house, a great world house in which we have to live together, black men and white men, Easterners and Westerners, Gentiles and Jews, Catholics and Protestants, Muslims and Hindus, a family unduly separated in ideas, culture, and interests, who, because we can never again live without each other, must learn somehow in this one big world house to live with each other. Welcome to The World House, a podcast inspired by Martin Luther King Jr. and his vision of a just and peaceful world. I'm Dr. Claiborne Carson, director of the Martin Luther King Jr. Research and Education Institute here at Stanford. And I'm Dr. Mira Foster, director of the Liberation Curriculum, our educational program here at the King Institute. We ended our last episode with an interview that you, Clay, conducted with Dorothy Cotton, who was one of King's SCLC colleagues at that time. And we heard her story of how King made one of the major decisions during the Birmingham campaign, which was whether or not he would go to jail. So Dorothy Cotton was recalling how King came out of his motel room wearing his working clothes, which basically meant that he would go to jail. So let's continue. What happened next? Well, this was Good Friday, um, April 12th, 1963, and King makes this decision uh, to be arrested. He feels like he has to join those who are already in jail. Uh, This is a a crucial turning point. He had had an injunction against um, demonstrations delivered to him two days earlier. He decides to violate this injunction, which um, makes him um, vulnerable to uh, being jailed for that. And uh, he decides that he needs to, to go, despite the fact that he also needs to raise money. And he can't do both. Uh, so that's why it was a, a difficult decision for him to make, that, that at this point he needed to be in jail. And perhaps his jailing would enable SCLC to raise money. Uh, so he is jailed. And while there, he... Um, learns of this letter written by eight uh, clergymen and white clergy in Birmingham, criticizing the demonstrations. And uh, they attack it for a number of reasons. The fact that these outsiders, including King, have come into Birmingham, uh, that the demonstrations were unwise and untimely. Uh, Birmingham was going through this dispute about what was the legitimate government there. And they said, well, you know, in in the middle of this, you can't uh, expect people to negotiate with you. Um, And also just generally attacking the idea that that these were disruptive demonstrations. And um, so they were were essentially calling upon King uh, to uh, negotiate rather than put pressure through demonstrations. And uh, when... Clarence Jones uh, comes to visit him. Clarence Jones is his lawyer. He um, comes in to talk to to Martin about a lot of things. Um, Most uh, importantly, what's happening in terms of raising money for bail. Uh, He's also concerned about what's happening to the young people who are in jail and need to get out. Mm -hmm. But he finds that, that King is distracted by this letter. 
and is determined to respond to it because he sees this as uh, particularly uh, damaging because it comes from uh, fellow clergymen. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's at that point that uh, he begins writing this letter, which um, Clarence plays a role in smuggling it out and smuggling paper into the jail uh, mm -hmm. so that King can, can write this response. And, um, and as they begin to get fragments of this out, uh, Wyatt Walker uh, supervises the process of trying to pull it all together and, and get it all typed up. Mm -hmm. And they recognize that this is a very strong uh, statement that needs to be um, shared with the world. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that what we find is that perhaps because King, is, his mind is focused, he really begins to uh, make a case, not just for the demonstrations in Birmingham, but I think a case for the movement as a whole. Why protests is necessary, why civil disobedience is necessary. And uh, this, of course, becomes the famous letter, um, perhaps the most famous essay of the 20th century, letter for Birmingham jail. I understand that we could talk for hours about this letter, but let's just look at some of the key points that he makes in this letter. Could you just walk us through these key points? Well, first of all, he takes up the notion that he's an outsider. And he's essentially saying that I'm here because injustice is here in Birmingham. And also because uh, the SCLC has a local group in Birmingham. So I think that he cannot accept the notion that he's an outsider. In fact, he says, I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. So I think that this, uh, he dismisses this idea of the outside agitator. Uh, anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider uh, within its bounds, he says. Uh, so I think that he goes on from that to, to talk about the necessity of protest. Mm -hmm. And here he's uh, standing in the line of, of uh, black orators throughout American history. Uh, Frederick Douglass makes the same claim when he says that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor, it must be demanded by the oppressed. It's only when you present your claims forcefully that they'll be listened to. And then it also he takes up the idea that um, protests are never, in the view of the oppressor, well-timed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never we must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed 
is justice denied. So, um, so I think that clearly what he's able to do is to speak not only to the clergyman, and that's his immediate audience, but clearly the, the main audience is the rest of America and the rest of the world who will read this letter. Now, I, I should go on to say, though, that this letter doesn't have too much immediate effect. You know, it, it's known within uh, the circle of people in SCLC uh, who are aware of its content, um, but it has no impact on the Birmingham pain at that point. Uh, Martin Luther King is, is eventually bailed out uh, after about a week in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, nothing has really changed uh, in terms of, of what's happening in Birmingham. And the white establishment is, has not um, made any concessions. Um, mm. And it's at that point that increasingly younger people become involved because you can imagine there's a limited number of college students, limited number of people who are willing to go to jail they're already in jail, and some of them several times. Mm -hmm. So at that point, uh, Dorothy Cotton, um, James Bevel, um, Andy Young, and others begin to express this notion that young people, high school age, sometimes even younger, have been really enthusiastic in terms of coming to the uh, rallies on nonviolence at 16th Street Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And they want to demonstrate. They want to protest. Mm -hmm. And King's faced with this very difficult decision because uh, he knows the risk involved of allowing uh, young people to participate. There's already some uh, resentment in, among some members of the Black community um, about the demonstrations. And uh, these are likely to escalate when it involves young people who are still of uh, high school age uh, getting involved. And uh, he has to also take the risk that one of them could get harmed mm -hmm. and he would be blamed. And, and still there's also the problem that there's not enough bail money um, to, to bail them out. So it's not even clear how long they would remain jailed. But at this age, I think that King understands that he has to uh, achieve some kind of victory in uh, Birmingham. And Shuttlesworth is, is also aware of that and, and supports the, this idea of having young people involved and um, begins to bring them into the campaign. And this culminates in early May mm -hmm. uh, with what we call the Children's Crusade. And it's at that point that this uh, idea of involving young people uh, becomes something where they try to get as many of them as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, they put out a call for young people to leave school. Uh, this is on a Friday, uh, May 2nd of 1963. And thousands of, of young people respond on the 2nd and 3rd of May. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they march from their schools. Uh, sometimes the uh, principal uh, at one of the schools, Parker High School, uh, tries to fence them in, and they push through the fence and, and 
come in. Uh, there's some students who march from some of the suburbs of Birmingham. Uh, so there's this stream of young people coming to 16th Street um, Church, and they're immediately um, told to go into the downtown area where the police are waiting. Mm -hmm. um, Bull Connor is, is caught on, by surprise by the numbers. He mm -hmm. doesn't know what, quite what to do. Initially, uh, tries to just arrest them. Mm -hmm. And but um, by the second day of these massive protests, decides that he just needs to deter them um, uh, using the fire hoses, uh, police dogs, and uh, and it's at this stage that uh, I think some of the white leaders begin to see that um, that the protests need to stop, and the only way of stopping is to make some concessions. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also by this time, the Kennedy administration is is involved. Burt Marshall, the Attorney General for Civil Rights, comes to Birmingham. But even before that, uh, there's efforts from the business community. During this time, they begin to negotiate a settlement, mm -hmm. and uh, ultimately, uh, to shorten the whole story, they reach a settlement. The following week, and uh, but meanwhile, Fred Shuttlesworth is injured in one of the protests, uh, mm -hmm. where fire hose is directed at him, knocks mm -hmm. him down uh, next to 16th Street Church. Mm -hmm. So he's uh, sent to the hospital. He's uh, injured and uh, uh, takes a while to recover. And this is significant because this is at a crucial point in the negotiations. So he is still recovering from his injuries in bed and uh, Martin Luther King and other SCLC leaders take the lead in these negotiations that finally result in uh, a settlement uh, that involves some concessions, mm -hmm. um, but mainly the calling off of further demonstrations. Mm -hmm. and when Fred Shuttlesworth hears about this, he's upset. He thought there was an agreement with Martin Luther King that any uh, settlement would be decided by both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, uh, he's upset that anyone could call off the protests. You know, if Martin Luther King was invited in by his organization, by Shuttlesworth's organization, that uh, they should have an equal say on, on when to call off the demonstrations. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so this leads to a confrontation with uh, Martin Luther King, and, and um, I, I remember meeting with uh, Shuttlesworth later in his life, and, and I could see that the anger that he felt then had not completely dissipated uh, when he talked about um, confronting uh, Martin Luther King, basically saying, "What gave you the authority to call off these demonstrations?" Mm -hmm. and uh, and it takes a while for him to to come around to the view that ultimately this is the best settlement they're likely to get. Mm -hmm. And if the demonstrations were to continue, it might result in major violence that would um, harm the movement as a whole. Let's just talk about the difference between what are the concessions that they get and what are the concessions that uh, Shuttlesworth has been hoping for just so we have an idea of where the conflict lies here. 
Well, first of all, one of the things that happens is that the negotiations are not with the city leaders, because remember, Birmingham is, is still has conflict who really represents the city. Mm -hmm. These are business leaders. So they're saying all we can really do is um, are the things that we control, uh, things like jobs and desegregation of our stores. Um, but we can't um, uh, get people out of jail. We can't uh, drop the charges against those who have been arrested. Uh, that's something that the city leaders and the courts will have to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that in itself you know, uh, is something that Shuttlesworth is not willing to accept because you know, the, the idea that all of these people who, who have been arrested would still face charges. Um, but even with the concessions, uh, he wants jobs at every store in the downtown area. And the settlement indicates it's very vague about that, whether that would involve every store, um, just some stores, just mm -hmm. one clerk for the entire uh, area, uh, downtown area. And all of these things are uh, concessions that are put into the future after the demonstrations are over. And Shuttlesworth strongly believes that unless you keep the threat of further demonstrations, there's no guarantee that uh, these unofficial uh, negotiations with business leaders are going to carry any weight, and that the city leaders in Birmingham, um, the, the mayor and uh, other officials, are not going to respect any agreement made by private people. So, uh, so he, he feels that, that at the very point when the um, Birmingham protests are at their strongest, where they have the most leverage, that King was willing to settle for less um, than, um, than he wanted. So I guess the results of the campaign had a very different meaning to Shuttlesworth and to King. Yeah, I think one way of viewing the Birmingham campaign is that from the point of view of Martin Luther King, this was the success he needed. He leaves Birmingham a nationally prominent figure uh, every city he goes to, there's loud, large crowds uh, to greet him. Um, for Shuttlesworth, his future after Birmingham, uh, Birmingham is no longer the center of things. Uh, the, the movement focuses on other areas. Uh, he goes on to um, have a long career as a civil rights leader, but it's uh, largely through another organization, the Southern Conference Educational Fund, which uh, a leftist organization that he, for which he becomes the president. And, uh, and I think we can symbolize this by, by looking at the March on Washington. The March on Washington projects King as the leader of the movement, the most, uh, um, you know, obviously the most prominent black leader of his time. Mm -hmm. Fred Shuttlesworth is not even invited to give a speech. He, he does make an appearance at the uh, March on Washington, but uh, he is, you know, King is the one who, who really comes out of the Birmingham campaign with his uh, leadership uh, strengthened. Um, for Sh Fred Shuttlesworth, that's his last uh, time as a, as a nationally prominent figure. And even in Birmingham, ultimately, he plays second fiddle to Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. 
one thing that I find always very interesting that what, when we talk about Birmingham that you say is that if Martin did not have a victory in Birmingham, you and I would probably not be talking about him. I think so. I think that that's not, uh, you know, there, I don't know if he would have got a third chance, you know, after Albany and after Birmingham, uh, not having a success despite hundreds and even thousands of people being arrested. Um, Martin Luther King probably would have had the reputation. He'll come to a place, get lots of people aroused, lots of people arrested, but ultimately with no concrete gains to be shown for it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was able to get uh, concessions that would not satisfy Shuttlesworth, but at least seemed like uh, the white leaders in Birmingham uh, had made some concessions and that, um, that that's what he needed in order to cement his leadership of the, of the civil rights struggle. It would still be um, uh, a, a very difficult process for him to maintain that leadership um, but I think we can see that, uh, that Birmingham is the crucial turning point in his life. You listen to Mira Foster and Claiborne Carson and The World House. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to find out more about the Birmingham campaign, visit the Liberation Curriculum on our website at kinginstitute.stanford.edu.